0: Welcome back to the show. This is season two, episode number five. Really excited to have you guys on the show today. Before we jump into it, I really just wanted to say thank you guys for tuning in and listening to the last 105 episodes. It's pretty crazy to me. But anyway, go ahead, take a few minutes out of your day. Go to macrosinc.net. Check out all the free information we have. If you're interested in signing up for coaching, go ahead and sign up. We have a two-week free trial, completely risk-free. Would love to see you guys as a client. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to episode number five of season two of the podcast. Today, we're talking all about a newer weight loss drug that's hit the market. We're going to talk about how you aren't who you need to be until you become who you need to be and the things that go on behind running a 120 person plus business that no one sees and no one thinks about. Let's get into the show. Today's nutrition insight is going to be a little bit different than what we usually talk about, and this was actually a question um, that somebody asked me in one of the Facebook groups that I'm in. Actually, not the Macro Zinc Facebook group. Another one. People just um, know who I am, and, and they asked a question, and so I kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit. One to answer their question specifically for them, and two. Also, just to to talk a little bit more about this, because it is a little bit related to nutrition and food, um, and also because I actually did a lot of research on this uh, topic specifically in my postdoc, and I thought it'd be really interesting for people, um, because it's really starting to hit mainstream now. Um, And my wife's actually in uh, nurse practitioner school, and they had an exam on diabetes and endocrinology, and these drugs came up. And it was funny, she actually cited one of the papers I wrote on it in her paper for school. So I wanted to just jump into this a little bit. So there's a new class of drugs, um, new within the last, I think, seven to eight years. I think back in 2014, they were approved um, for diabetes management. And more recently, they've been approved for actually weight management. And these are what we call the GLP-1 class drugs. Um, And GLP-1 stands for glucagon-like peptide 1. And what's interesting is these drugs come in really two forms. Um, One is they either are drugs that mimic GLP-1, which is a peptide. It's a protein that's made in the body. Um, and The drugs either mimic those or they're slightly different and they're drugs that actually activate the same receptors and turn on the same kind of, um, you know, signaling things in the body that the natural peptides would do, but they're just a little bit different. So these drugs were initially developed um, really to help glucose control. So basically, in the body, this GLP-1 is produced primarily in your gastrointestinal tract from these cells called K-cells. Whenever you eat food, specifically carbohydrates and sometimes proteins, um, a little bit less from fatty acids, and that's a little bit less well understood, but um, when you eat food, You actually release this GLP-1, which is this glucagon-like peptide one. And what it does is it actually augments your body's insulin action. So it increases the effectiveness of insulin, essentially. And it decreases glucagon production. So glucagon is released and it actually stimulates, uh, when glucagon's released, it actually stimulates um, glucose release from your liver. So glucagon causes glucose to go up and insulin causes glucose to go down. So basically what this drug does is it helps regulate blood glucose by increasing insulin effect and decreasing glucagon effect. So you help balance out um, kind of the things that cause glucose to go up. And what's interesting in people with type 2 diabetes is not only do they have impaired ability to kind of, you know, deposit glucose into the peripheral tissue, but they're also pushing out way too much glucose from their liver. So this drug actually affects both of them, where things like, you know, metformin or insulin really only... They don't only, but they primarily affect kind of the deposition more so than they do reducing hepatic glucose output. So that's how they were initially studied. Now, uh, as we started to understand these drugs a little bit better, we started to realize these also affect digestion. So they can slow digestion and they can also affect the central nervous system. So when you have high levels of GLP 1 present in the body, whether it's naturally released from your body, drugs that mimic it or drugs that affect the same receptors, you can actually influence your central nervous system. And so when you do this, it actually causes a satiety mechanism in your brain so you don't feel as hungry. So these drugs help to lower glucose and they also help to kind of keep you from um, feeling as hungry all the time. So this is kind of where they come into weight management. So it was interesting, as, always, as we started to learn these things about these drugs, we started to run clinical trials looking at, hey, can we actually lower body weight first in people with diabetes, because these drugs are already being used? And then can we use it in people who are non-diabetic, right, um, or people who do not have diabetes? And so these drugs have actually shown to be fairly effective. Um, and I've got a couple papers here that I'll, I'll pull up really quickly. And they've actually shown um, a couple published in the New England Journal, a couple published in Journal of American. Medical Association, but one that was just published, Published, excuse me, that's Friday, which I'm re-recording this because um, I lost the first version to a corrupt audio file, so I can't talk today. But there's actually a pretty substantial effect of these drugs with people in weight loss. Um, and let me see if I can find the exact amount here real quick. I just got to scroll through the abstract. Um, but the, the mean weight change was actually substantially different. And we're talking 5, 10 pounds, right? These are not just minimal effects. These are actually fairly robust effects. And what's interesting is this makes it this one of the very few approved drugs for weight loss, um, especially in the United States. So we have some other ones, but this is actually one of the more interesting ones that's come to market um, and is actually shown to be effective. So that's actually fairly promising. And what's interesting is this drug appears to be highly effective at glucose control. And if we can also get people to lower their body weight while they're on this drug and they have type 2 diabetes, it's also substantially more effective because now you've lowered the primary mechanisms that primary mechanism that is causing insulin resistance. So this drug kind of has a you know, a a two-pronged approach to addressing specifically, like, chronic um, metabolic diseases, specifically, like, metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes. So, it's very interesting. Now, one of the other things that's not as well known, I think, by a lot of people currently, although in the scientific community, it's been studied um, fairly aggressively, is these drugs also have a pretty substantial... Um, and organ protective effect. So when we think amongst people with type 2 diabetes, they have an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and kidney disease or renal disease. And outside of blood pressure medication and statins, which have been, um, you know, around for 30, 40 years, maybe a little bit long, maybe 50 years now, uh, I have lost track of the decades. But Outside of those, there's there's been no real advancement in drugs that actually reduce the risk of end organ complications and or slow the progressive decline of these diseases. Yet, there's been two drugs that have come out in the last 10 years. GLP-1 is one of them. The other one is an SGLT-2 um, inhibitor. And we'll talk about that on a different podcast. Um But this drug actually has shown, specifically, I'm very well uh, versed in the kidney world and cardiovascular world um, because my doctoral work was in cardiovascular and diabetes and cardiovascular and my postdoc was in diabetes and kidney disease. So there's actually been multiple randomized trials showing these GLP-1 receptor agonists actually have kidney protective effects. So it's pretty cool that we're actually starting to develop drugs um, that are really mimicking what the human body already does and kind of augmenting it and actually seeing pretty substantial clinical benefit. So these drugs are, are very interesting. And what was very surprising to me, because um, I started working on this at, towards the tail end of my postdoc and during my faculty science um, career, is the receptors for these drugs, where they affect, aren't just in your you know your pancreas, and they're not just in your central nervous system, and aren't just, um, you know, in those organs. They're also in your organs like your kidneys. So we actually weren't able to publish it because our lab closed down before we were able to publish it. But there's receptors of this drug in the kidney. So some of these beneficial end-organ effects are due to weight loss. They're due to better glucose control. But they're also due to direct effect in these organs. So these drugs are going to be very interesting to study over the next several years. They appear relatively safe. Um, Most of the side effects are a GI side effect which makes sense uh, because that's primarily where they initially work and so high concentrations of these can cause those things so that's kind of an insight into those drugs um, how they work and what we're going to be seeing those being used for especially over the coming decades so we'll take a quick break and then we'll jump into our business insights Right. business insights. Uh, man, just to tell you guys what kind of week it's been, I actually on my show notes put this under business insights and my what am I learning today under the other under my business insight and my business insight under things or what I'm learning today. So I'm just all sort of discombobulated. Um but I wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about um you know, things that change and things that you don't think about as you build a business and scale a business. So like this morning I I spent probably like 2 hours um just of my day like going through all of our employee data and submitting information for like the census for the 401k that we have um and like all the government regulations around that and like making sure that we all the you know deposits went in within the windows that the IRS requires and just like all that kind of just crazy stuff that you don't really think about um And so, one of the things that has been very interesting for me is when I look at our industry, right? We have, we really are an industry that's built on a lot of like small pods of people, right? And this is either like gyms, like individual privately owned gyms that have three to four trainers. Um, We have maybe big chain gyms that at their location, they have 15 to 20 trainers, right? If you look at like a big gym, let's say there's 20, let's say there's 30 full-time personal trainers. That's a huge amount of people. That would be a very large box gym, right? Because that would be, let's just say they're doing eight sessions a day. That's 240 sessions a day times seven days a week. That's what, 1600, almost 1700 sessions a week. Like That would be a massive gym to have that many people. And we don't really have large-scale businesses that really do the service provider work at scale like we do. Um, there's maybe one or two other people who, who do this. Um, direct consumer, I think there's maybe only one other one. But when you start to get to that level, there's so many things that you don't think about as kind of the the frontline worker people and that I definitely didn't think about until I got to to this place, right? And at each step along the way, I didn't really think about it. I just kept doing what needed to be done. And then you get to a point where you're like today sitting down and going through all this stuff. I'm like, man, this is what is required on the back end that people will never see. And so what I find interesting about that and also my perspective on it is how fortunate are we and how lucky are we that we have the systems in place to be able to let our coaches, who really are kind of the core of what we do, right? I always tell our coaches like they're the all-stars of what we do, right? All the admin back end stuff, it's it's just there, right? It has to be there and it's a lot of work, but it's not really like the core fundamental of what we do. It's our coaches are and then the culture that we've built around the coaching and around our clients and around our community. And so the fact that all these things are in place. Really, they don't have to worry about any of that stuff. They just get to go coach. And so, when you think about like what it takes to run these types of things at scale, here's just like a slight perspective of like all the things that I never really thought about from day one, but that had to be built and kind of really are required now to have something that runs as well oiled as it does. So, obviously, like the the four hundred and one k example that I gave um, was one of them. You know, the other thing that we have to do as a business is like we have to maintain um, our own business insurances, right? Like we have um, a huge database. We have to have cybersecurity insurance things that like, hey, we have to audit it. We have to put policies and procedures in place. Um, You know, we have to have technology constantly developed and monitored. Um, We have to audit and make sure all of our coaches have like... Hey, is your certificate up to date? When do your CEUs expire? What day of the year do your CEUs expire so we can double check? Do you have your own insurance? Um, Are you up to date with all the training policies and procedures of the company? Um, Do we have our CEUs that we provide the coaches every month? Like just all these things that, you know, require just to run that. And then it's the client acquisition. Okay, are we up to date with, All of our marketing, how are our emails performing? How is our ad spend performing? Um, Are we up to date with the latest iOS stuff? Are we up to date with the latest GDPR thing? So there's just like all these crazy things that you don't think about uh, that go on on a day-to-day basis. And so I'm just kind of a really interesting just thought process of of what goes on on the back end um, and all the things that I don't think about. So now how this has kind of shifted my perspective a little bit is when i go and work with you know other businesses or other service providers um, whether like as a personal thing like if i have to go hire somebody to do some work at my house or or whatever or you know as macrozinc if we hire an outside mentor to do something like somebody's doing some video editing or some creative for us or you know software development like i also try to have the perspective of what they have to do on the back end just to make their work work So that's just kind of what I'm learning today. Just some insights into the business side of things that go on at companies like MacroZinc. We'll take another quick break. Um, I'm going to get some water and then we'll jump into the what am I learning today. What am I learning today? So I had a conversation with a employee of mine um and actually not one of my Macro Zinc employees one of the employees who works for us in our uh, exotic car business so to speak um and I was just kind of having a conversation with him and you know we were talking about like kind of how to advance his career and kind of how to grow as a person and you know become more successful and so we kind of started talking about some strategies and some things he could do and Um, like putting in some some just like action plans and steps in his life to make things happen. And, you know, one of the things that came up in the conversation was he's like, hey, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I want to do that I think could like, you know, really help me, but I don't know how to do them. And so we kind of had the conversation of like, hey, you know, you aren't the person that you need to be until you become the person you need to be. And so I kind of told him you know a little bit of my story from like my you know in my in my 20s which was a huge growth period in my life for me of like hey you know who I was at that time like pretty mentally undisciplined, pretty scattered and disorganized um, didn't really understand what work ethic was like didn't have the skills like what I wanted to go do I had no skills to go do and I remember having a conversation with somebody at that point in my life and it was like, hey here's the things I want to do like, I I know nothing. Like, I, I don't know how to do this. And they just told me, they're like, look, nobody knows how to do these things until they do it. Like, you have to go do it to get those skills. And so we started talking a little bit about that. Um, and so just this idea of, like, you aren't who you need to be until you become who you need to be. So you really have to make it a concerted effort to build the skills that you you need to be who you want to be and it's not going to happen by chance like you have to be cognizant you have to give a conscious effort and you have to realize like if i want to be somebody i have to become that person and i know that's kind of a little bit of a maybe a quip or you know just a kind of a platitude but in reality i think all of us have experienced that right i think about perfect example brain surgeons you're not born a brain surgeon You have to become a brain surgeon, right? You have to go through the schooling. You have to go through the training. You have to not know something, be taught how to do something, and then be able to do it. And so I think for a lot of us, if we can just have this idea of, I'm not who I need to be now, but I can become who I need to be through time and effort. So that's it for the show today. I'm hoping I can get this published and pushed out today. That'd be awesome since I had to re-record it. Um, But thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week.